Oh, hello. How you doing? That's good. Who's stoked that you didn't get to see, a, that you didn't see a sloth getting mauled just now? Bit of relief in the room? Yeah. I was a bit nervous, to be honest. I thought we were going to see a sloth just getting straight up murdered by a puma, but we didn't. That was great. Um, hey, my name's Jono. Nice to meet you, if I haven't. Um, I know some of you guys are new or newish tonight, and it's, it's great that you're here. We're going to have a good time together. Now, a few years ago, um, the one and only newspaper on the Central Coast, the Central Coast Express Advocate, which turns up on your front lawn and you put it in the bin because no one reads it. Um, 2014, they had this story, big story, broke all over the place. You ready? Ghost hunting. Tales of the paranormal buff, baffle Central Coast residents. That was the story that I found in the newspaper. Uh, check out on the screens, actually, because the story came from a video that an investigative journalist on the Central Coast made. So watch this video that prompted that wonderful story. Sounds coming? Yeah. Ooh. Can you guys even hear? Can you hear this? All right, cut the video, cut the video. That'll do. <laughs> now, I grew up on that story. Um, I used to hear about it all the time, about the hitchhiking ghost of Jenny Dixon Beach, where you'd be driving along and you'd see this mysterious girl and you'd pick her up and she'd be talking away in the back seat and then it would go quiet. And you'd be like, why is it so quiet back there? And the person would look back and she was gone and the car never stopped moving. And the creepy bit was that the seatbelt was still clipped together where she was seating. That's a story I heard in primary school and it's still doing the rounds today. Um, has anyone heard that story or a version of that Wow, okay, cool, there you go, you have. Um, Now, you couldn't hear that interview there, right? So I'll just have to tell you about it. That was two ladies from Gorakin, and in the year 2000, they were driving along Wolfabout Drive, and they're like, there's a girl in a funny-looking dress, she looks a bit funny, and then they're like, we better watch in case someone does anything mean to her. So they kind of slowed down to watch her getting into a car of boys, and then it seemed like she disappeared, and they were like, that's weird, she disappeared. And that's what they saw, they're like 100 metres away watching a girl get into a car. And that was it. Now, here's the thing with these stories, right? There's never any real good concrete evidence. The only proof that the express advocate could find 15 years later was one story from two ladies from Gorakin who thought they saw a, lady, a girl getting into a car, but then they couldn't see her anymore and she seemed to be gone. And they were like, it's the ghost of Jenny Dixon. Proved it, like, absolutely. Um, <laughs> That's that's those stories, right? It's an urban legend, and every place has them. So if you go two hours up the road, you'll hear an urban legend about the ghost of Lemon Tree Passage near Nelson Bay. There's ones in Sydney. There's all these different urban legends that live around different places, right? Here's the thing, though. Lots of people think that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is just another one of those urban legends. It's a story that started back in the day and someone said that they met someone who saw Jesus resurrected from the dead and so they talked to someone who talked to someone and eventually people started writing down this story about this guy rising from the dead and so eventually they started calling it the Bible and here we are today at Youth Group reading this thing called the Bible. People think that Jesus' resurrection is just like that, an urban legend. And so here's the question. Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? Did he really rise from the dead? Now, I don't know if you guys care about this question or not. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But let me tell you why every single one of us should care about this question. If you're a Christian and Jesus didn't rise, you are completely wasting your life. 
Right now is the biggest waste of time in the world. We actually saw this uh, two weeks ago, actually, when we were in 1 Corinthians 15 the other week. But a few verses later on from where Lou read, in, in verse 14, it says, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you guys are a bunch of idiots. You really are. Imagine spending your whole life trying to convince the world that Santa Claus was real, and then you found that it was just a big fake. That's a stupid thing to do. And so if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that's what you're doing. And not only that, it says in verse 15, if Jesus didn't rise, Christians are lies. It says more than that, we have be- we're found to be false witnesses about God. For we've testified about God that he raised Jesus from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise, Christians aren't just a bunch of kind of nice fools who had good intentions, but actually they believe in Santa Claus. Actually, Christians are evil because they're going around tricking people, telling lies about God. If Jesus didn't rise, that's who you are. And then skip down to verse 17 in your passage there. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. If Jesus didn't rise, you have not been forgiven for your sin. You have not been forgiven by God for your sin if Jesus didn't rise. You've got no reason to think that you and God are good if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And then verse 18, if Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep, that means those who have died in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. If Jesus didn't rise, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that means when you die, you'll die, you'll get buried and you'll rot. And that's it. The atheists are right. And so we should be pitied more than anyone else because we wasted the one life we had worrying about this Jesus guy. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, your life is a waste of time. And so if you're a Christian, you should get why this question matters. Now, it might be, though, that you're not a Christian and you're like, well, I still don't care about it because I don't believe this stuff. But let me say this. Let me give you one more reason. If Jesus did rise from the dead, it actually means that Jesus is who he claimed to be. If Jesus did rise, it means he really is God. It means he really is the judge and the ruler of the whole world. And one day he's going to judge you. He's not just going to judge the Christians who believe in him, he's going to judge every single one of us. If he rose from the dead, he is God, he is the judge. And verse 25 says that when Jesus does come again, that he'll reign until he's put all of his enemies as footstools under his feet. They're going to be made footstools, they're going to be put under his feet. If Jesus rose from the dead, he's God and he's your judge, whether you even know it or not, which is heavy stuff. And so did Jesus actually rise from the dead? Or is he just another urban legend like the ghost of Jenny Dixon Beach? Well, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at the evidence for it. We're actually going to work together through some stuff in 1 Corinthians 15 and think about the evidence. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? It's a question we're going to work through. At the end of, uh, before we finish up as well, there's going to be space for you guys to ask any questions you've got, all right? And so as we're going through this and thinking together, I want you to just, if there's things that you're not sure about, want to ask questions about as we go, at the end, there'll be a space for you to kind of chuck your hand up and ask your questions. And so if you've got them, ask them when they come. But I want to pray for us now. So let's pray together. Let's pray. Father God, it's big stuff we're considering tonight. God, we pray that you would Show us the truth about Jesus tonight. If Jesus really is who he claimed to be, Lord, we need to know it. And so we pray that you'd make it clear to us tonight.
And Lord, if it is clear, we pray, please, you give, give us the courage to act on it and not just leave it and ignore it for one more week. And we pray all of this for our sake, but for your glory. Amen. All right, well, here's the first piece of evidence. Piece of evidence number one is this. Jesus was a real man who died for our sins. Look at verse 3 in the passage, 1 Corinthians 15. Sentence number 3. He says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So the Bible says it really plainly there, that Jesus is a guy who died for our sins. Um, But it's not just the Bible who claims that Jesus was a real man who lived and then died on the cross. That Jesus was a man who lived and died on a Roman cross is actually an undisputed fact of history, not just the Bible's history. All history agrees with that. A few years ago, a lecturer in ancient history at Macquarie University, he tweeted this up on his page. He said, I'll eat a page of my Bible if there's any sceptics out there who can find one professor of ancient history or the New Testament in a real university who thinks that Jesus didn't live. I'll eat a page of my Bible if you can find that person. And then a comedian called John Safran from a few years ago, he's got like 52,000 followers on, uh, on Twitter though, he thought it would be funny to watch John Dixon eat a page of his Bible and he's like, I want to see this. And so he retweeted it to all his followers. So this went all over the country, all over the world. Can anyone find a professor of ancient history who thinks that Jesus didn't live? Now people began kind of chucking in like like they were like, oh yeah, I found one, I found a guy who says that Jesus wasn't a real person, didn't exist, and when you followed it up, they weren't actually professors of ancient history, they were like people who did studies in dental surgery or Italian studies and things like that, right? A year later though, guess how many legitimate professors of ancient history thought that, there was, that Jesus was not a real person who never lived and never died on the cross? How many people? Zero. Yeah, I don't know who said that, but that was well played. Yes, zero. Not one. They couldn't find a single professor of ancient history anywhere in the world who thought that Jesus wasn't a real guy. And so if you're out there and you're like, oh, this Jesus stuff is a bunch of crap, he's not a real person, you are going against every single professor of ancient history in every university in the world. That's the decision you're making if you don't think Jesus was a real guy. Everyone knows that Jesus was a real man who lived and died on a cross... The thing that people disagree on is, what did his death achieve? What was his death all about? Now, in this passage in the Bible, Paul's saying, he died to save you. He died on that cross instead of you so that God's anger at our sin would be poured out on him so you don't have to face it yourself. That's the claim of the Bible. So here's what we know so far. Jesus was a real man who died on a cross. Piece of evidence number two. This is pretty obvious once someone's dead. Jesus was buried, but actually his body went missing. Now, you can see the burial in verse 4 there. It says this, that he died according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, it says, and on the third day raised again. Now, it mentions his burial here in 1 Corinthians 15. All the accounts of Jesus' life and death in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all mention the fact, that gives us more details, and they mention the fact that his body goes missing. The tomb was empty. And so... The story in in the accounts, it says that after his death, a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea, real guy, got Jesus' body and he publicly buried Jesus in front of a bunch of witnesses in a new tomb, an empty tomb. And Jesus' death was as public as his burial was. So both of those things both happened, right? And so we know he really was buried. But how does the fact that Jesus was buried give us any evidence for the resurrection? What's the deal with that? Like, My grandpa died and was buried in a grave. That doesn't prove that my grandpa rose from the dead. Well, here's the thing with Jesus. 
his body went missing. It was gone. The tomb was empty. All the accounts say the same thing. And so you have to answer the question, what happened to his body? Where did it go? We know he died. So where did his body go? See, imagine I did claim, well, someone came up to me and said, hey, Jonah, you know your grandpa who died a long time back? He's risen from the dead. Your grandpa's alive. He's walking around as a zombie, right? Um, What would I do if I wanted to make sure that that wasn't true? If I was a bit worried, what would I do? You tell me. Go to his grave. Go to his grave, check it's still there. If I was really paranoid, I could dig it up if I was really crazy and check that grandpa's still inside there. I'd go find his body, right? The claim of Christianity is that the body was gone and the reason, they claim, is because Jesus was walking around in his body because he was alive again. And so one of two things has to be true. Either Jesus rose from the dead and was walking around in his body because he was resurrected or there's some other reason why the body was gone. One of those two things has got to be true. The body went somewhere, we know it was missing. Now, what are the possible reasons for why the body could have gone missing like that? Well, there's actually a whole bunch of pretty good ideas that people have brought up over the years as to what happened to Jesus' body. People have had a lot of thoughts about this. One idea is this, maybe Jesus' enemies took his body. What if the guys who had it in for the Christians all along, they took the body? And so maybe it was the Romans who got him killed, and maybe it was the Jews who conspired to get him executed on the cross. It might sound a little bit crazy, but like imagine you want to pull a really mean prank still, some, someone that you don't like's friend's body, and maybe they'll, whatever. Um, but here's the thing, once this whole rumour about Jesus being resurrected from the dead and walking around and appearing to people and everyone's becoming Christians, once that kind of started moving along... If you were the enemies of Christianity, if you were the Jews, if you were the Romans at the time, you didn't like Christianity, everyone's going around going, hey, Jesus rose from the dead, come become a Christian. If you're the enemy of Christianity, what would you do? And you stole the body? What would you do? You'd be like, here it is. Yeah, actually, no, he's he's dead. He's very much here and he's a corpse. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, stop everything. Jesus is dead. We took the body, funny prank, and now you look stupider than you ever did before. The problem is that never happened. History tells us that no one ever came forward and produced Jesus' body and said, it was me, it was all a big joke, joke's on you, you guys are idiot, idiots. (laughs) Um, I reckon if one of Jesus' enemies took the body, the obvious thing would be that they would have whipped it out and made them look dumber than ever. Second idea then, maybe Jesus' friends took the body. What if they were like, let's start a cool religion called Christianity, steal Jesus' body, that's going to be heaps of fun. We'll get really popular, rich, famous, that'll be really good. But the problem is, they didn't. They didn't get rich and popular and famous. Um, verse 19, in fact, says that, if, like we have just saw earlier, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then Christians should be pitied more than anyone else. We're the stupidest people in the world if we're making up our own religion where Jesus rose from the dead. Um, In fact, the witnesses of Jesus' resurrection didn't become rich and popular. They were beaten up. They were threatened. And when they didn't listen to the threats, they actually started getting killed for it. Here's what happened to the 12 disciples. and Someone replaced uh, Judas along the way. Here's what happened to the 12. Six of them were crucified like Jesus. Three of them were beheaded. One was beaten to death with a stick and one was killed with a spear, and only one of them lived to old age on an island in prison in exile. His name was John. That's what happened to the witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. And so, if you go out there tomorrow and start a crazy rumour about your mate who you say rose from the dead, here's how you know when you should kind of stop backing that story. 
if you and your friends start getting killed for this story that you made up because you said someone rose from the dead, that's the time to stop, okay? If you decide to prank people and the police get involved and you start dying for it, bail on the joke, okay? Because that's a dumb idea. The disciples died for what they claimed about Jesus, that he rose from the dead. And so, friends, enemies, third idea, there's a whole bunch of ideas, right? Here's a third one, though. Some people say, what if grave robbers took the body? What if some grave robbers came along to steal the nice stuff that you get buried in and steal his body? Um, there's, a, there's, a few, there's a few problems with this idea. In Matthew 27, which is one of the accounts, you can read about how the Romans put guards around Jesus' tomb to actually stop people coming and stealing the body because they were afraid that someone would. And so there were guards there. And so if it was grave robbers, they would have had to get past these guards and somehow convince them to not say anything about the fact that they stole the body. Um, but not only that, in, in two of the other accounts, in Luke and John, what you find is when they find the empty tomb, the thing that's left behind is all the nice cloth that Jesus was buried in, which is actually part of the valuable stuff that you'd want to steal if you're robbing someone's grave, right? That was left behind in a pile, which is weird. Like, imagine you're at Coles, right, and you wanted to steal yourself, like, some tasty, I don't know, steaks and stuff. And so, you know how you got the steaks wrapped in, like, the cellophane and the little foam bits, and you're, like, trying to, like, steal steaks? If you wanted to steal steaks, I bet you, this is weird, but if you did want to do this, I bet you wouldn't get in there and while, like, while the thieving is on, like, kind of open up the cellar for the, the glad wrap and kind of open it all up and grab a steak and shove it down your pants and then sneak <laughs> off with your unwrapped steak. That would just be weird, wouldn't it? You'd just grab the steak and shove it in your pocket in the wrapping and run off with it and then pretend the wrapping's made of, like, I don't know, expensive gold or whatever. Like, you don't take the wrapping off and run off with a gross steak in your hand. If you want to steal a body... You don't take off the stuff that's valuable that's wrapping it up for you and leave that behind and run off with a gross, dirty body. You just grab it all and leg it. Grave robbers is a weird idea. Now, we could keep on going. There's a few other ideas. Some people say that the body went missing because, well, he didn't actually die in the first place. What if Jesus just looked real bad and looked real banged up, but he wasn't dead, kind of passed out, and then later on got up and was like, hey, I'm back and better than ever. Could be that. Um, What's some other things that people say? Some people say they, they lost the tomb. They got confused where they buried Jesus. And it was like a classic case of lost burial ground identity. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't have time to go through those. But if you want to ask questions about those ideas, chuck them at me later on. You can come find me. You can ask your questions. Here's the deal, though. I can't think of any good reason for the tomb being empty except this, that Jesus actually rose from the dead. As crazy as that sounds... I think that's the most logical conclusion. He actually rose from the dead. But that's not all, because third piece of evidence, here it is. Hundreds of witnesses saw Jesus risen from the dead. Hundreds of them. Uh, Verse 4 says that he was buried, and on the fourth day he rose again. And then in verse 5, look at verse 5, look who he appears to. It says, and he appeared to Cephas, which is a guy called Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. What that's saying is that Jesus appeared to a lot of people at once, a big mob of them. It wasn't like Jesus appeared to one weirdo and also Jesus was there with Bigfoot and Elvis. And It's not that kind of an appearance. He appears to hundreds of people at once. He appeared to Peter and the 12, it says, which is the 12 disciples who got killed for what they believe about Jesus. And here's the thing, at the time that Paul wrote this claim down, that Jesus appeared to hundreds of people at once, 
these witnesses were alive. He says some of them are dead, but most of them are still with us. So if I went out there and was like, guess what? Um, UFO turned up at Terrigal. It was amazing. It happened 30 years ago. But most of the people who saw it, there's 500 of us at the beach that night. Most of us are still alive. They're still hanging out at Terrigal. Go ask them anytime you want. That isn't an urban legend anymore. That's a claim that you can prove or disprove. There's witnesses out there. If I claim a UFO turned up 30 years ago and 500 of us all saw it at once and they're still hanging out on the Central Coast living here, go ask the witnesses. That's a testable claim. And so that means a few things, guys. This, for starters, isn't an urban legend. That's not how urban legends go down. Urban legends go down over a much longer period of time, over hundreds of years. Yes, yes, centuries ago, blah, 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 whatever. This isn't an urban legend. And secondly... This couldn't have been a crazy hallucination. This couldn't have been a crazy hallucination. It's, it's not like a whole bunch... It's not like a, a handful of different people had some weird ideas. 500 people at once don't have a hallucination about the same thing. They don't all... Like, it's like, we're all here, and then a bear ran on stage and mauled me. That's either true, or all at once, all of you, plus another 400 people all hallucinated and thought they saw this crazy thing that didn't... That doesn't happen. You don't have hallucinations in groups of 500 people where the story is the same. This isn't a hallucination. This isn't an urban legend. Do you guys see how different this is to the ghost of Jenny Dixon Beach? Are you getting how different this is? Remember the ghost of Jenny Dixon Beach, 40 40 years on from when it all started, the best witnesses that the Central Coast advocate could find for the ghost of Jenny, Jenny Dixon Beach were two ladies from Gorakin who momentarily thought... You, I wish you heard the audio. They thought they saw this girl getting into a car, but then she wasn't really there, and they are like, what happened? Where did she go? We're a bit confused. That was the witnesses for the ghost of Jenny Dixon Beach. That's all they got. Two ladies who thought they saw a girl, and then she disappeared. Could have just been like some chick who was pranking him and jumped into the bush. Who knows what it was, right? Hundreds of people saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. And, and, and the claims they made about seeing Jesus, it wasn't like a couple of confused people. It wasn't like they were like looking at Jesus from 80 metres away, being like, is that Jesus? I think it is. What's he doing over there? Like, Jesus turned up. He ate with them. He appeared in rooms with the doors locked and appeared among them. He taught them from the Bible. He had conversations face to face. They touched his hands and his feet where the wounds were. And so either hundreds of people were deluded together on multiple occasions in different places, all with the same hallucination, or it's true. It's actually true. These guys died for this supposed lie. They lost everything. They lost their lives. This isn't an urban legend. And here's the fourth and last piece of evidence from this passage tonight, and it's this. It's the incredible change in the witnesses themselves. So let notice two of the witnesses. Look at verse 5. It talks about Cephas, or a guy called Peter. Before Jesus died and rose again, Peter was a coward. He was a total coward. He, he's like that friend at school who talks heaps big and is like, I could take anyone, you know, kind of, lot, lots of talk. I reckon I'm pretty tough or whatever. I could win any fight. But when it actually goes down, backs right out of it. That's Peter before Jesus' death, right? He was, he was, he was a wuss. When Jesus was on trial the night before his death, right, he's on trial, Jesus is there and Peter is kind of creeping up to see what happens and he's watching it and this little slave girl comes along and she's like, hey, 
are you one of Jesus's friends? I think you're with Jesus, aren't you? And he denies it three times. He says, I'm not with Jesus. I don't know who he is. And he denies Jesus three times. I don't know the man, he says. But after, after Jesus' death and after the resurrection, everything changed for Peter. He becomes one of the most fearless preachers of this message. He gets persecuted. He gets warned, stop it or you're going to get messed up. He gets put in jail and eventually he gets crucified like Jesus and not once did he ever give up on the story. I saw Jesus alive. He holds to it. And then there's Paul himself. Look at verse 8 and 9. It talks about Paul, the guy writing this. And he says, And last of all, Jesus appeared to me also as one abnormally born, for I'm the least of the apostles. And I do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Here's why. Because I persecuted the church of God. Paul's telling us there about how he used to persecute Christians before he became one. If you read Acts, you'll hear how Paul was this guy who was going around and he was grabbing Christians and dragging them out of their houses and getting them in trouble and actually getting them killed. And he's basically um, beating up on all these Christians. And then eventually, somehow, Paul goes from being that guy to a person who's willing to die for Jesus. What kind of thing could possibly lead to that sort of a change, going from ready to kill Christians to being ready to die for being a Christian? I'd put it to you that there's only one reason and it's that Peter and Paul came face to face with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and that's what changed them. They became convinced that he really is the one who came to die in our place to save us. They they became convinced that he's the only way to be saved. They became convinced that actually it was worth taking this message to the world, even if it cost them their lives, because he's the only way to be saved. He really is God. They became convinced of all of that. So here's the evidence we've seen tonight. Number one, Jesus was a man who lived and died. Irrefutable. Number two, he was buried and his body went missing. Number three, hundreds of witnesses saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. Number four, there's an incredible change in the eyewitnesses who testify to these facts. There's some of the evidence from 1 Corinthians 15. Now, do you guys have any questions? And if you disagree with me, I promise I'll be kind to you as well. So please ask your questions. Do you guys have any questions? Take 10 seconds to think if you do. Any questions about all that? Some of the evidence stuff. Are you too scared to ask questions? Is that why you're giggling? It's an in-joke. All right. Oh, we've got one question. All right, we'll go one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so what if the Roman soldiers were just lousy guards, basically? Um, You can read the Bible's account of this in in Matthew 27. Um, But the big reason that they probably weren't just doing a crap job that day is that that was their job. They were like, picture like you got the Australian SAS best soldiers going round kind of thing. Um, Those guys pride themselves on being good at their job. In in Roman context, if you weren't good at your job as a soldier, you might end up on a cross yourself. It's a big deal to to mess up as a soldier in that kind of a context. And so it would cost them their jobs, their reputation, perhaps even their lives if they just kind of were lousy soldiers on one level. 
Um, but I think the other thing that kind of rubs up against that is all these other accounts of hundreds and hundreds of people seeing Jesus resurrected and so on. But if you want to read a bit up on it a bit, go to Matthew 27, you can have a read yourselves. Yeah. yeah. Any other questions? Uh, yeah, one more. What? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so I've constrained myself evidence-wise to 1 Corinthians 15 tonight and kind of spent our time here. Um, So I reckon there's a few different kinds of evidence. One kind is the kind of stuff we've talked about in terms of did Jesus rise from the dead? Another question that people have is, is the Bible actually reliable? So how do we know that what's written here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul really wrote? How do you know that's true? Um, And so to, to work that out... You've got to have a think about the New Testament um, document, what's the word I'm after here, kind of scroll evidence, like how reliable is what's written down, how reliable is that. You've got questions about that, you can come ask me later or you can go to life and hear the answers for yourself. What week are we up to in life, does anyone know? Uh, okay, you go to life another time. Anyway, there's a lot that could be said about that. Um, there's heaps of evidence about this kind of stuff that's outside the Bible and there's heaps of evidence in the Bible. There's a bunch. There you go. Look, I'm going to move on. If you've got more questions, come find me later on. But what do you do with all this stuff? We looked at a bunch of stuff. What do you do with it? Well, I want to say that this is a high-stakes question. It's a really high-stakes question. Like we said at the start, if Christians, if for Christians, if Jesus didn't rise, you're wasting your time telling people about Santa Claus, you're a liar about God, your sins are not forgiven, and when you die, you're going to rot in the ground. If Jesus didn't rise... And if you're not a Christian, but Jesus did rise from the dead, it actually means he's God. He's the only way to be saved and he's the rightful ruler of the universe. And one day you're going to come face to face with him. You'll meet him. You'll come face to face with Jesus. And you'll either face him as his enemy who's rejected him or as his friend. That's a really big deal. All of us are going to come face to face with Jesus if he's the dude who really did rise from the dead. And so your job tonight is to work out where you stand with him. Where do you stand with Jesus? Do you believe he rose from the dead? It's a really important question. What do you make of the evidence? Are there good enough reasons for you to keep on doubting and not believe? And get this, if you're convinced that Jesus rose from the dead... You've only really got one option. If you know that this is true, if you're convinced he rose from the dead, you've got to come back to God and you've got to find forgiveness in Jesus. That's the only thing you can do. You've got to have him as your ruler and as your saviour. You've got to come back to him. You know, I know people who are convinced that Jesus rose from the dead. They're sure that that happened and they still refuse to become Christians. And the reason is they don't want to pay the cost of following him. And so it's it's not like a... I don't believe it, it can't be true thing. It's a, I know it's true, but I just don't want to live it out because it's going to cost me too much in my life. I know people who think like that. But guys, it is so worth it. There is a cost to following Jesus. That's true, but it is so worth it. It will cost you, but it is overwhelmingly worth it. It's absolutely worth it. To know that Jesus is legit, right? To know that he rose from the dead and refuse to become a Christian is like someone who stands in the middle of like a train tracks with a train coming at them and they're like, I'm just going to close my eyes and hold out my arms real strong and I'm just going to 
fight this train off. Like, that is a crazy thought to think that Jesus really is God. He really rose from the dead. And I'm just going to be fine with that. That's not going to be a problem. That is the craziest thought in the world. If you know this stuff is true, there's no reason good enough to stop you from becoming a Christian. And maybe you're worried about sin in your life. What, what's to do with that? Well, God will forgive you and he'll help you to change. Maybe you don't know everything there is to know. You're worried that you've still got questions. That's okay. You can actually work some stuff out along the way. You don't have to have every answer to every, every question to become a Christian. You can work out some of it along the way. If you know that he died and he rose again for you to save you, you know enough. I'm going to give you guys a chance to become Christians tonight. And if, it's as simple as asking Jesus to be your ruler and your saviour. Have him be the guy who runs your life and the guy who saves you. That's what a Christian is. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you that you died to save me and rose again. Please be my ruler from now on. If you're convinced that Jesus is who he claimed to be and you want to pray that prayer, then pray it with me. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again and conquered the grave. Jesus, you are the king. Please be my king and run my life from here on out. Amen. All right, I think we're going to sing again.